Well, amen, amen. Uh, today we can complete our last of our sermon series on Jonah. And I want to say thank you for everyone who is here today on site and for those of you who are joining us online. I know that Jonah is a very small uh, a book, you know, it has, only has uh, four chapters. We brought it into a three-week sermon series. The first week we talked about how Jonah was uh, told by God as a prophet to go over to Nineveh, and he went the opposite direction. Uh, if you missed that sermon, we have it available on our Facebook and YouTube channel for you to go back to. Uh, on last week, Pastor Rob was able to bring us the message of what happened when Jonah was for given a second chance to go to Nineveh, and we saw uh, the, the kind of people who they were, and uh, actually he spoke about it a little bit. And then so today, we're going to hear how Jonah reacted to God's mercy. So today, I'm going to be reading again from the chapter 4 of that book, and I'm going to be stopping intermittently in between verses just to be able to share a few words with you. I'm reading from the NLT version, so if you have your own Bible, your words may be different, but I pray you follow along, and they'll also be up on the screen. The first verse says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Now, if you're here for the very first time, let me just give you a little bit of background of what happened here. Why would Jonah, with this change of plans that God did, why was he upset? Well, in chapter 3 that Pastor uh, Rob mentioned last week, past, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw that they had, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So that's why Jonah was upset. So there's a note here. You got to notice that Jonah's own quarrel was not with the great city of Nineveh, but with God. Jonah is angry at God's grace. Jonah hated the Ninevites. He was hoping for destruction, not grace. He wanted annihilation, not mercy. They were wicked people and deserved punishment. In his conversation with God, Jonah reveals for the very first time why he, he was going towards Tarshish. On verse, uh, the verse 2 of that chapter, I'm going to continue reading. It says, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. Let me pause there. Two weeks ago, I shared a map. God had gone to, uh, had spoken to Jonah to go and speak to the Ninevites. And so instead of going towards Nineveh, and Joppa, he went and got on a boat towards Tarshish. And there's a map out here. You'll actually see that it, from where he was, there was only 550 miles from, from Joppa, where Nineveh was. He got on a boat towards Tarshish, which is a modern-day Spain. So that's the map that you're going through. So it was, instead of going in the direction that God was telling him to go, he went in the opposite direction. And then verse, continuing on with that verse 2, it says this. I knew... See, I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. 
See, Jonah's understanding of God comes from God's own self-description to Moses. Jonah was a prophet, so he was also receiving the words from before as for how God described himself, and so we find an example of that in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, where it says, The Lord pathed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. What kind of God was he? A God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. You see, Jonah represents God's compassion. He's supposed to represent God's compassion and mercy towards the great city of Nineveh. But only for people he thinks undeserving. He resents it. He actually, Jonah resents God's mercy. He resents that, that compassion for those that he thinks undeserving, which of course didn't include himself. After the sailors threw him, think about this, after the sailors threw, uh, threw him overboard out of that boat that was heading towards Tarshish, and he found himself inside the belly of a great fish, Jonah, what did he do? He was quickly, he qu went quick and cried out to the Lord for his mercy. And he was eager to praise him for it as long as it was directed at him. Keep in mind that one of the things I shared two weeks ago was if you are, we're not gonna go through the chapter two of it, but if you did, that was one of your homeworks to go and, and read chapter two and hear about and read Jonah's prayer while he was inside the belly of a fish. On verses eight and nine of that uh, second chapter, it says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. So when Jonah sees God show mercy to the undeserving Ninevites, rather than sing songs of praise, Jonah, like a spoiled child, gets angry and sulks. Here, check out what happens in verse 3. In verse 3, it says, Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Notice that, ladies and gentlemen. Notice that Jonah says that he would rather die. But he wants God to do it. Just like he told the sailors to throw them overboard, why didn't he just throw himself overboard? So now, when Jonah asked God to just kill him, there's more anger than sincerity in the request. And God recognizes that, and he responds accordingly. On verse 4, God responds with this. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? I'm going to say that again. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? So still behaving like a peevish child, Jonah, uh, Jonah doesn't answer God's question, but walks off in a huff and sits down outside the city. 
Let me see if you can, I can paint you a picture. You, many of you have been teenagers at once, or you are a teenager now, for those of you on site or watching, or maybe you have a teenager or child. What happens when they don't get their way? No, don't, don't answer that, I'm just saying. Don't answer that. <laughs> Because I'm sure you will provide different types of answers, but maybe, just maybe, you notice this and be like, ah, yes. When the child or a teenager comes and asking for something, that they want to do something, and you tell them no, <laughs> they just walk off, of course, mumbling, and then... <laughs> oh, so you do know. Okay, so. But the main part also may be, you hear this. And you think that's it. Wait for it, wait for it. Slam! So there are families who be like, oh, no, he or she didn't. I'm going to go upstairs. So it said, it better be the last time that you stomp away from me, and it better be the last time you're going to be slamming my door in my house. <laughs> but it's my room. It's your room? Hold on. This is my house. You just get to live in it. <laughs> there are some that may even be like, get their drills ready, or the screwdriver to start unhinging the doors. No door for you. <laughs> the way we respond. But we think, I was mentioning about the teenagers. Here's Jonah. He's an adult. And don't we sometimes act like that when we're asking God for stuff and we don't get it? We get so upset sometimes. We get childish. We don't want to talk to God anymore. So this is what Jonah does. He goes over and he sets out himself into the end part of the city. And as God did with the storm and the great fish of the chapter 1, here, God is going to use another part of nature that hopefully teaches Jonah a lesson. Let's go to verses 5 and 6. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. As soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. If I use that same analogy about the teenagers and going up to the rooms and things on there, it says we could be upset with our, our children, we could be upset with our teenagers, but when it comes time that they want to make that we as parents uh, be responsible to make sure they're eating something, we still probably give them, you know, uh, cook them something and say, look, if you're going to eat, it's going to be here. 
You're still taking care of them. So God, in the midst of what Jonah was doing, he was out there like a, like a, like a child and, and really just going out in the, in the end of the city. He wanted to see what God was going to do to the city. And in the midst of all that, here God still provides a plant to give him shade. And Jonah was content. He was happy. But as many of you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Let's continue on with verse 8. Actually, verse 7. Verse 7 says, But God, the same God that provided the plant, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching west wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. So we see that Jonah's good humor is short-lived. The angry, sulking child returns in a flash. But again, God does not answer anger with anger, but attempts to get Jonah to look inside himself. Verse 9 says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? You see, spiteful to the end, uh, these are Jonah's last words in the story. Because in that verse 9, where it says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for him to be angry? The plant died. And Jonah then said, What? Even angry enough to die. Spiteful. Jonah's last words in this story. So we never know if he actually learned the lesson God had for him. The story ends with God asking an open-ended question to Jonah. He wants him to understand the absurdity of having pity for a plant while being pitiless toward the Ninevites. By encouraging Jonah to self-reflection, God is also encouraging us to self-reflection because the point is that Jonah is us. We are Jonah. The lesson God wants Jonah to learn is the lesson he wants us to learn. On verse 10 it says, Then God said, You feel sorry for the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? You see, Jonah's mercy stretched no farther than himself and a plant that gave him some shade. God's mercy reached out not only to a lost multitude that showed repentance, but also to their animals. The creator God loves all his creation, but too often we can only summon compassion for ourselves and those we consider deserving. So why does Jonah care for a plant more than people is the question. 
That was God's plant. And Jonah had nothing to do with it. People matter to God. Yet because of our preconceived ideas about them, like Jonah, we judge and devalue them. God created us in his image. He expects us to be merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love just as he is. I'm going to turn away from the book of Jonah. I'm going to go into the gospel book of Matthew. The Matthew chapter 5. When we're thinking about people, that people matter to God on verse 43. So Matthew 5, verse 43, it says, Jesus speaking, it says, Have you heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy? But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and he sends the rain to the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You see, as already mentioned, God expects us to be merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love as he is. And this requires us to show pity and concern for everyone, including those we find disagreeable, even hateful. If we went back to that chapter 4 of Jonah, last, the last sentence of verse 11, God is saying, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? I don't know about you, but when I read these chapters of Jonah, I saw a couple times that God called Nineveh a great city. You see, it can be confusing because Pastor Rob alluded a little bit last week when he spoke about who the Ninevites really were, the Assyrians. They were really bad, wicked people, and they did wicked things, yet God called it a great city. What great can come out of Nineveh? Which interesting reminds me of when someone said something about Jesus, when they said, what great can come out of uh, Nazareth? That's in the Gospel book of John, chapter 1. But ladies and gentlemen, the great can be found in the power, the compassionate, and mercy that only God can give to those we may consider undeserving. Nineveh's people, including their king, repented of their sins and worshipped Jonah's God, the God that we serve, the Yahweh, the Lord, our Savior. And we have to be very careful where we are putting the great in our lives. Are we saying that we are, that we are great in what we do and, and also in, in who we are? Or are we saying God is great and great is who he is? You see, there are people like Jonah who judge others. We sometimes are our own worst critic, and we bring ourselves down 
too often. Even in our sin, uh, God can see the great that can be in us for what he has done by giving us his son to be our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Lastly, sometimes people ask, was Jonah's story for real? Well, if you believe that Jesus was without sin and lying is a sin, uh, then we should take his word for it. Two of the four of the Gospels actually give account of Jesus speaking about uh, Jonah. And in fact, one of them is Luke 11 and the other one is Matthew 12. Matthew 12, beginning on verse 38. Let's see here. Matthew 12, 38. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will, uh, I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. You see, there are times when people, including Christians, would say, why doesn't God come back for his people now? Especially with everything else that's going around in the world in our, in our communities let me remind you of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people may think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jesus spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah, after three days, he was spit out into the ground, but Jesus walked out. Jonah was mad at God's mercy towards the people, the great city of Nineveh, but Jesus embodies mercy to those who believe and forgive those who truly repent. But one thing for sure, ladies and gentlemen, even if you're asking that question, let me be clear to you. God will keep his promise. The Lord will return for his people, but he will do so when we least expect it. So while we wait, we will serve. While we wait, we will give. While we wait, we will trust. While we wait, we will tell of God's goodness. While we wait, we will tell of God's greatness. While we wait, we will tell of his faithfulness. While we wait, we will tell of his mercy and compassion. While we wait, we will repent. While we wait, we will be thankful. And while we wait, we will worship. Praise God. God gives us each and every day an opportunity for us to return back to him, to repent of our sins, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That way we're able to just trust in God and build a relationship with him.
I'm not Jonah in a sense of how he did with the people of Ninevites, but certainly enough. And on the other side is, I consider myself Jonah sharing the word of God, telling us, you, me, that we must repent of our sins and return back to God. And I pray you receive this message, not just this message, but throughout this series of God speaking to you through his word. Let us pray. Loving and gracious, most holy God, we're thankful that you have given us another day of life, another day of opportunity, another day for us to return to you, to repent of our sins, to know that you are love, that you are a God of mercy and compassion, that you don't want anyone to perish giving everyone an opportunity again to come to you. We're thankful for this time together that you've allowed us to come and worship our Lord and Savior. We're thankful for the convicting words in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds to return to you. If you gave that mercy and changed your mind with the Ninevites, God, we know that you can do the same for us because we need forgiveness. Bless us, Lord. Lead us and guide us with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, usually I give a next step, so a little homework here and there. This is not nothing to do with this chapter, but some people were asking from that two weeks ago, it says, hey, you know, some of the things that are in Jonah what, you know, is anything in what Jesus did? And so I invite you to read Jonah chapter 1. And then compare it to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. And then find out what the similarities and differences do you see between the two passages. And if you want to share them with somebody, I'd love to hear from you. You can send them to my email at pastorricky at newhanoverumc.org. And if you have any questions, you know, and I'll be able to have an opportunity to respond back to you. May God bless you. May God continue to lead you and guide you with his precious Holy Spirit. And to know as a forgiven people, we can go out into a scary world to know that God is with us. May God bless all of you. Would you please stand and sing with us this last song. And praise the God of Jonah. God of today.